Well, we're looking at Christmas communication. And um, I said last week that Christmas communication ultimately is gospel communication. Look at your handout if you want to join me there. In fact, why don't you? Because you're going to be back in there this morning if I remember correctly. Look at John chapter 1. We talk about communication. Um, Remember, we are created in the image of God. We're image bearers. God is a verbal God. God has given us his very word. And in John 1, it says very clearly, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Surely a incarnation verse Number 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We only got this week and next week, and that's all that we have as far as Sunday school. I love Christmas. I love the Gospels and all of the Gospel connections. I wish Christmas was about 14 Sundays maybe 52 Sundays, but we only got this week and next. And I, I just I want to read you one passage, and I'll read you another one. So uh, let's, let's do the Old Testament today, and next week we'll do the New Testament. But uh, turn in your Bible, if you would, to Isaiah 9. I, I know it's very familiar, but let's, let's hear it again, and let's hear it in context with that the word made flesh, the incarnation, that which we celebrate, there is a Christmas communication, and that Christmas communication is the gospel, and as image bearers, that's what we do. We shine our light by our testimony, by word, by sharing uh, the gospel. Note, if you would, in verse 2, the same kind of um, language that we just read in John 1, the people who walk in darkness... Apart from Christ, apart from the Messiah, there's darkness. And those people will see a great light. This is a prophecy of what's to come. We're on the other side of the cross, amen? We're seeing that these prophecies were fulfilled, which gives us such great confidence. I am always, are you amazed at the faith of the prophets of the Old Testament and of the people of the Old Testament? I mean, I don't know, can you read... Genesis 24, and Abraham taking his son up on the mountain. Can you read that account and not just be amazed at that kind of faith? Oh, God, give me just, just give me a mustard seed of that kind of faith. There isn't any Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, There isn't any of the epistles. There's none of that. There's a man who believed God and it was accounted to him for what? Righteousness, because he had none of his own. What a glorious thing. What a glorious thing that we're part of this. And we see that the prophet said there will be a great light. 
And those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Light is coming. And that light did come, and it's described here for us in verses we often read at Christmas time. Verse 6, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given. We have other things I want to cover, but I, I get stuck here and want to talk about every word and every passage, so I'm going to have to move along a little bit. But, but, but note the power there. A child will be born. But this is a very different child because this child that will be born is a son that's given. This child that will be born is a son that has been from everlasting to everlasting. He has always been, and yet he's now going to be born. What an amazing mind-boggling truth, God becoming man. We could turn over to Philippians chapter 2, couldn't we, and see that, that, that unfolding of how he, he came and took on the form of a man, humbled himself, taking on the form of a man. Think about it. It's, it's, this isn't even a good illustration. It's not even within a, a, a gazillion miles of close. But imagine yourself wanting to wanting to be able to speak to ants, so you decide, with your own volition, become an ant. God did that in a million times more, in coming and becoming just a man, but not just a man, a perfect man. And this perfect man that's coming is not yet here in this passage as Isaiah prophesies to a people who will not listen, to a hard-hearted people. I pray that there's no hard-hearted people in here that are refusing to listen. This is the gospel. He said, For a child will be born unto us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government and peace. And on the throne of David, and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it in justice and righteousness. There's a day coming with justice and righteousness. There won't be any need for social services. There, there won't be any more broken marriages. There won't be any more kids being abused or wives that are being abused or children that are being... Won't there be a wonderful day? That day is coming. There'll be no more war. There'll be more and more evil. It will be all put down. And one is coming who's going to rule in perfect righteousness and justice. Isn't that glorious? When you look at the news, don't you get depressed? I do. So I stop looking at it and I look up to the one who's coming. And then I'm encouraged, amen? He's got the whole world in his hands. Nothing is out of control. Nothing is out of place. Nothing is going wrong. Everything is falling into place. And that day, may it hasten, come quickly, Lord Jesus on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. And then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Yes, this Christmas, this child was born. I adapted this from a, um, I read a number, I suppose you do, or many of you do, devotional commentaries not commentaries, but devotionals for, during the Advent time. And so this is a, this is, uh, I usually take them and adapt them for my own heart, and then I write them into my journal. 
so that they're there and I can look back Christmas after Christmas at what God was doing in me. And so I adapted this close one, thinking about communication, thinking about our opening today, and thinking about Isaiah 9-6. The promise of a king who is the heir of the throne of David and who will make all things right and will do so by ruling in perfect righteousness as a wonderful counselor who speaks words of life. Words of life. We're image bearers. We get to speak words of life. He will reveal himself and his divine character as mighty God. He will lead and protect his people as an everlasting father, and he will bring a reign of peace, peace in the world and peace with God as a victorious prince. Yes, this wonderful counselor is the word and speaks words of life. This is God's ideal in communication. This is Christmas communication. And the gospel is what we're focusing on last week and these next two weeks as we think about um, Christmas time. And so look at your handout, because I just want to review it one more time. I went through it quickly because you're a mature class, but I don't, I don't want to take for granted that something that I've said is like, I don't exactly get that. So there are many ways that you could approach the gospel. I'm not saying there's only one, but I think the simplest and the clearest to have riveted in your mind is what I have here called the gospel pillars, God, man, Christ, and a response. And we, we mentioned that first one, God, is that someone needs to know there's a God. And that God is the creator. And that God is holy and perfect and righteous and true. And he cannot tolerate any sin. He must judge all sin. And so that's, that's the first part of the gospel. It's, it's amazing how men are blind and, and, and think of evolution. They think they came from monkeys. They think they came from a, a, a slime pit. No, they were created in the image of God. They need to be told that. That's part of the gospel. There's a God who created you, and if he can create you, then he's the one that gets to set the rules. And he gave many, but he gave ten that almost everybody's heard. And you know how simple it is to go through those ten? You probably know those ten by heart. To go through those ten, and don't put it on them, put it on yourself. Just say, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you can bridge then over to man, because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you know what? Every single one of us have violated every one of those ten. Every single one of them. Every one of them. There's no one here that has loved God with all their heart, soul, mind. There's no one here that have not had graven images, that don't have other gods in their heart. And, and, and all the way down, all the way down, there's no one here that hasn't been angry in their heart. There's no one here that hasn't lusted in their heart. There's no one here that hasn't stolen from God or from others. There's no one here that hasn't lied. This, you know, we're all guilty. And how many sins do you have to commit before you're guilty? One. And so that you share the holiness of God, the absolute purity of God, the magnificence of God, and the sinfulness of man. And, and then once you do that, you're able to show very simply that man is in a very difficult position. Man is in a hopeless position. 
Man is in a helpless position unless God does something, and that's the good news. He did. He sent his son. He sent the answer to salvation. So you have to make sure when you talk about man that you, you make sure they understand that man is created in the image of God. And he's sinful and he's condemned. And then you talk about Christ. Who is Christ? It's amazing the misconception that people have about Christ, the, the, the God-man. And, and then you, you call for a response. Repent and believe over and over again. The scriptures say repent and believe. Repent from what? From trusting in yourself or whatever else you are trusting. You, you, you turn from that and your sin and receive by faith the work that he did on Calvary for you in your, in your behalf. And uh, Of course, you, you might have three minutes to go over that with somebody. Maybe, like I shared yesterday, you get 30 minutes or 45 minutes on the kitchen table, and you have to adjust. But, but you want to get that, that gospel in. You want to have it planted clear, and you want to have that in your mind if I only had two or three minutes. And I hope next year that we're going to continue to do this to some extent uh, on a number of times when you'll share longer. We'll have somebody who will be willing to come, take 10 minutes, and unfold for us the workings of God in your life that have brought you to this place. Wouldn't we love to hear that about one another? It would help us to get to know each other. So we'll, we'll do that. But right here I'm trying to focus on helping us to understand some gospel verses, number one. And number two, I hope you wrote out or began to work on a, a concise um, testimony, similar perhaps to what Claude gave. And I would say his was extremely brief. It certainly could be longer than that. But something that's, that's concise um, I took a, a soul-winning program back in the day when that was the way things did it. It was EE, and we always talked about a front porch um, testimony, and uh, I made it inside the living room testimony. Uh, one being, this is probably your one and only shot, so you've got three minutes before the door gets shut in your face. You want to be kind, you want to be gracious, you want to be gentle but you want to give them something that could change their life forever. How am I going to do that? So how, I'm just curious, did, did any of you work on any of that? Let me see, did any of you work? Oh, you, oh, oh. I am so happy to hear that. I'm going to give you a chance to share some of those. I have one that's volunteered. We'll let that one go first, and then if the others would like to, um, then I'll give you that that opportunity as well, and we'll extend in next week. I want you to look at questions. What are some scriptures, verses, that succinctly declare or describe the gospel? As you think through that, if you're thinking with somebody, I'm only going to be able to open my Bible to one place, or I'm going to memorize one, two, or three passages of scripture that I can share with somebody, what are some scriptures that you might think of that are gospel-packed and then after you shared that scripture, if the Lord gave you the opportunity, you could unfold it to the gospel. Now listen, we are gospel-believing people, so we understand that every word is pure, and that from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation is progressive, and it's God's plan of salvation, and every single verse leads to Jesus Christ. All right, I, I get that. We all get that. We all understand that. Yes, even the verses in Leviticus lead to Jesus Christ, every one of them. 
It's a Christ-centric message. Jesus is the answer. But there are a few verses. No, there's not a few. That's what's amazing. There's many verses that that, that verse is just so gospel-packed, you could give it to somebody, and, and if they began to ask questions, you wouldn't have to turn anyplace else. You could use that verse, and you could take them through. God, man, Christ response. What are, what are some verses you might suggest? Nobody has even an idea one. Yes, Brother Mark. Okay, I'm not familiar with it. Okay, I just don't know the address. Okay. All right. Amen. I remember now. Okay. Sweet. Clear the clear the name. What if you have a, a verse memorized that you'd like to share, or even if you don't, if you want to just open to it right now and read it so that we would all have that, because we don't have time to look at them all. But I mean, I, I mean, just a whole pile of verses come to my mind. Does, doesn't one come to you? What, what about... Yes, sir. Yes, John 3, 16, 17. I, I would even probably... Have 18, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. You certainly can take those passages and unfold the gospel. Paul? Amen. Okay, certainly gospel-packed verses. I'm really trying to help us to focus on, I mean, I'm talking about a power-packed verse. I mean, I, 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 the first one that came to my mind is, in, in a way, often used as a, as a Christmas verse, too, 2 Corinthians 5.11, right? Or 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I mean, there's the gospel. It's a powerful verse, but it's short. You see, it's, fr it's front door. It's, it's over the coffee pot kind of a verse. You certainly all know this one. How many of you have memorized, I won't call on you, Galatians 2.20? Right? Is, is that a, a gospel-packed verse? Right? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I. It's Christ that lives in me. And to live the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave him himself uh, for me. Certainly Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? And then if you see like you got a hook, you throw 10 in there afterwards. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. Most everybody that you're going to talk to thinks that they're going to work their way to heaven somehow. They may not call it work, but that's what they're thinking, right? So let's already know that. That's a powerful verse, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It 
It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. 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 Not of works. Not of works. Not of works. I, I, I mean, it preaches the, the gospel. You can, you can um, share that over and over again. And, and why is it not of works or the results of works so that no one will boast? Uh, you want a great Old Testament verse that's just one that can lead to the whole chapter. How many of you have memorized Isaiah 53, 6? All we like sheep, right, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused iniquity to fall on all of us, on him, our iniquity to fall on him. So, so many more. So I want you to think about that more this week. Come up with some gospel-packed verses, because I think they have to be in our mind. If they're in our mind, then we're going to be quicker to share them. Amen? Okay, so let's take the rest of the time. We have at least 10 minutes, and let's see who would like to share testimony. I'm going to let um, Mary Henson has volunteered to go first. And, and Mary, and I'm going to do this the same with everybody. You can stay there and stand up, or you can come up here. And I'm going to, but you've got to use a microphone. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, of course. Turn that on. I started to write this out by hand in my journal many times this week and never really could get started. So last night I said, I asked Joseph to bring me my computer. I was like, I'm just going to do this. So I have, thank you. I do need these. I, um, because this testimony hasn't changed over the years. I just haven't written it down in a long time. So I grew up in the deep south where most everyone attended church. As others, I attended weekly, but did not know the gospel. While growing up, I struggled with fear, worry, and anxiety habitually over many different things. This struggle only worsened as I went away to college in 1992. Even though I was very successful in what I was studying at the university, I was empty and searching for meaning and significance in relationships and worldly successes. This never did anything but leave me wanting more and more and more empty as time went on. One day, while in the music building where I studied, I heard about another music student who was going to be leading a Bible study in the building each week for whoever wanted to attend. I remember thinking to myself, why would anyone want to study the Bible during the week? I did not attend. I had a friend whose mother owned a Christian bookstore. One day while visiting, she told me I could pick out any Bible and keep it. I picked out an NIV Life Application Bible and within a year's time, this Bible would change my life. Another friend, who I sat next to in symphonic band a few times each week out of the blue, asked me one day, why don't you smile more? I did not know how to answer her. I don't think I even realized I didn't smile. She was full of joy. I didn't know it at that time, but she was a strong believer. The following day, she returned with a note card on which she had written Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, which reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. She wrote a little interpretation on the back that said, perhaps your physical and mental, spiritual, emotional body. Um, and I thought long and hard about what was written on that card and kept it in my wallet for years. 
I really studied those verses as well as the Life Application Bible that had been given to me. As I read through the Gospels in my dorm room each evening, my heart started to change. I was convicted of my sins and began to turn from every sin I could think of. The Holy Spirit filled me with joy like I never had before. I was truly healed of any worry and anxiety that I had struggled with. I made a new friend who was a very strong believer. It was the boy who had led that Bible study I mentioned earlier, and he studied the Bible with me and answered questions that I had. The Lord truly gave me victory over sin, self-control, and a desire to share the good news of what had been done for me with others. I continued to grow, and in May of 1995, one year after I was baptized, I was married to this dear friend in the same church. God is so good. Amen. That is glorious. Thank you. Joseph, thank you for being the right kind of friend. Somebody else like to read um, their testimony, share it? I mean, isn't that glorious? Isn't that glorious? I mean, it's glorious when you're saved as a young child um, as well. It's always a miracle. You don't have to come up here. I'll bring the microphone to you. You can stay there. Would you be willing to share yours? Okay, glorious. Is this supposed to be prepared? It's okay. You just go ahead and share. Not prepared. <laughs> so, so many times when I'm around my little grandchildren, and they are around a lot, they all, I say, Grandma, can you tell us a story? Can you tell us a story? And I have told this story many times um, of when I was saved. And I was three years old. I remember it so vividly. I was in my bed at night. And my mother was telling me a story that Jesus told, and it was the parable of the lost sheep. And I'll read it. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not he leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. And when my mother told me that story, I realized I was naughty and I needed, I was lost. The story told me I had, was lost and that Jesus had come to find me. And I, the picture of that little sheep over the shepherd's shoulders is so precious to me. And many times with my grandchildren, and I've told them this, I've prayed that they'd never remember a day that they didn't know the gospel and know that they were lost and that they needed the good shepherd that could find them and who would never, ever leave them. Amen. And that's sweet. Hearing a, a gospel testimony never, never grows old, does it? What time is it? I guess we better, we better uh, end it for now. I'd love you to do that next week. Okay, write it down. Uh, we all have a much longer story. 
Um, that's not the point. We can give the longer time. But e each one of these have been brief and, and, and to the point. But if you notice, e each one, there was a point of recognizing I'm lost and in need of a Savior. I've fallen short of the glory of God. H however you say that, because there is a holy God. And that the answer was one answer. There's only one answer. And that's the God-man, Jesus Christ, the shepherd of our soul, the great, the great shepherd. And so um, think through that. This will help you to make sure you're genuinely converted. I gave you um, a number of evidences that are in there of those that are genuinely converted. I'd love you to look through those this week as a, another part of your homework and just see, is there any other evidences that you can think of that we could add to that list? And is there anything on that list that causes you question? I'd love to know that. So you got plenty of homework for this week, but, this, but the homework is all good for your heart. It's all good for our soul. And, and the homework is unto an end, to be image bearers of that light, a, a gospel Christmas communication. I'd like to also hear, and I'd like you to think about between now and next week, um, even as Russ testified this morning, how... During this Christmas season, are you going to share the gospel? How are you going to do it? How are you going to communicate it? Uh, have you ever gotten one of those letters um, that is just chucked full of every single thing that a person did? And listen, if you just wrote that letter, I'm, I'm not pointing at you because I haven't read it. But I have been guilty of that in the past. I, you know, I wrote, I wrote a 500-page letter that described every single blessing in my entire life so that there would be nobody in the world that ever read that letter that could compare their life to my life. Well, that did a lot of good. Well, they knew I went to this place for a vacation and they went to this place for a vacation and I had this baby and that baby got this promotion and that promotion. Have you ever read any of those letters? Yeah, you have. There's a place for that. But when you write a Christmas letter, they better see Jesus. They don't have to see him in their face. They have to see him in how you acknowledge his work in your, in your heart and in your life. And remember, the power is in, is in the Word. So um, just think about that, and uh, let's, let's get back together this one last Sunday. We'll listen to the children, and then we'll, we'll talk about Jesus and, and what he's done in our hearts and our lives. Thank you for those that shared. Father, um, bring someone into our path, even this very week, that we can at least share a part of the gospel. Uh, maybe it's just somebody that we can pray with, put a hand on their shoulder or, or take their hand and pray and pray the gospel um, as we pray for them. Open those doors. Give us opportunities. For the glory of Christ, we would pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for bearing with me these weeks.